0: What we're going to be talking about today is the that leap of faith. Where does it come in? Because we know that we don't really start serving God until we take a leap of faith, where things become more than just being good. They become a part of our life of, of uh, just love of Him. And uh, with him first before all else. And that's what we see happening in this passage today. And uh, tied in with that is the difference between uh, works and faith and how those things go together. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. And we've uh, seen uh, uh, the call to Abraham. In fact, it says Abram went out as the Lord told him. This is the demonstration of faith on Abraham's part that we see in Hebrews and we also see it in uh, Paul talking about it's the fourth chapter of Romans and they celebrate uh, uh, the faith of Abraham and his obedience to God. And it's easy to read over these different passages about Abraham's faith and miss the main point uh here's, here's a way. First of all, imagine you have a dog and uh, usually the dog comes to you when you call it. And all of a sudden you call your dog to come to you and it just looks at you and lays down and just stares at you. You know, it knows what you want, but he's not obeying. So uh, instead of coming to you, he lays down. Would you say that's a bad dog? your dog's being bad. Okay. He's doing it because, well, he's disobeying you, isn't he? All right. And so that's why you call him a bad dog. If you told your child to pick up his toys or her toys, and they said no and sat down, uh, that would be a disobedient child, wouldn't it? If you instructed an employee to call a client, but uh, uh, they uh, said no and refused to call the client, then that would be a bad employee, wouldn't it? And the point is, we notice when someone does the wrong thing, but do we notice when someone does the obedient thing? And it's right in there that we see a big difference uh, between what some people think it takes to get into heaven and to be in a right relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ. Abram's demonstration of obedient faith here is something believers should both celebrate and emulate and it's an example of faith to imitate. As I was thinking about that, I remembered this morning uh, whenever I first went to work for we'll call uh, the insurance company I went to work for Company B because this is going out over around the world this evening uh, through our podcast. But so I'll say I was working for Company A and Company B wanted me to come to work for them because they'd been selling, uh, they started selling commercial insurance. Before that, all they sold was just homeowners and liability insurance, automobile insurance. That's all their adjusters all over the place knew how to handle. And throughout the region, they were starting to get commercial claims and they had nobody to service the claims. I knew all about that stuff. And so they hired me, I won't go into all the details, but they hired me to come and start up the commercial claims program for their region. And that entailed training all the adjusters all over Texas, just about, to handle commercial insurance. And then I would sit there in Houston and I was over two local adjusters to handle claims at the beginning. Didn't have a whole lot of claims coming in, but I oversaw the claims over the whole area. But I was given two guys in my unit. Uh, Well, three, really. Uh, One for uh, workers' compensation and uh, one inside adjuster that just used the telephone and made inside calls, and then one outside adjuster that ran all over the place and took care of stuff outside. These two adjusters that I had that uh, were the inside adjuster and the outside adjuster, They were used to handling things differently, and they were very set in their ways and very stubborn, it turns out, as well. And so uh, in commercial claims, they're just not like automobile claims. They're not as cut and dried. But anyway, to make a long story short, many times they would get irritated with me whenever I would want more details than they had gathered to uh, determine whether we ought to pay or not. And uh, one of my adjusters, well, uh, one one particular case, there was a record shop that was robbed uh, or or burglarized. And uh, he had gotten about $400 worth of uh, records, vinyl records stolen. And uh, it was simple. We paid the claim. Actually, it was about $600 worth. And so uh, then uh, we paid the claim. Everything was fine. About three months later, he got burglarized again, and they just cleaned the store out. They left no records on the shelves, and uh, and so and he turns in a claim for like six thousand dollars. I mean, this is a little bitty store. I mean, you understand it was like a a portable building that was set up, so it didn't hold a whole lot of records. And this was a phenomenal amount at wholesale prices for these vinyl records way back there in the dark ages before inflation hit as badly as it has hit. And so uh, uh, something just wasn't quite right. And so uh, I had the adjuster go out They say, yeah, it's just like it was before. So I've got to pay him $6,000. Not yet. I want you to go and measure the area where those records were supposed to be. That's just Something's wrong with this. And so I had him measure and he said, he called back, and said, well, it'd be a squeeze, but he could get all those records in there. Can I go ahead and write him a check? No, not yet. And uh, my adjuster was getting kind of put out because he wanted to go ahead and put, write a check and close the claim. So then what I had him do was that his supplier was local. I had him take the, his claim the guy's claim but had all the invoices in it, and go and compare them to the uh, receipt, to the the billing uh, what the guy was billed. It was like a duplicate thing where one was kept at the at the uh, seller's this wholesaler's place, and he was given the other whenever he made the purchase. And so, I had him com- go to the seller's place and the wholesale place, and I wanted him to double check and make sure that the figures were right. Oh man, he was put out. Oh man, so he went, and I was working there in the office. The phone rang. He answered. He, he, I picked up the phone. Says Joel. Said yes. So and so said, man. Oh man, you won't believe what I found. It turns out that he had doctored all of his claims, all of his invoices. Like if it said forty dollars he had changed it to be $240. And he had gone through all of his invoices and changed the numbers to where a $400 claim became a $6,000 claim. And uh, Ben was so happy. Oh, didn't mean to say his name. Uh, the adjuster was so happy that uh, he had uh, uh, discovered this and, and found out that he had this is the first time he had ever come across a fraudulent claim, and this is part of what it was about was making sure that people were being honest. We would have we wanted to make sure that everybody got exactly what they had coming to them. Sometimes I sent people to jail. Sometimes I paid them more than what they had. They thought they had coming, but that was our job was to make sure people got what they had coming. But frauds were something that we uh, really didn't like. But uh, so anyway, he was just so proud of himself and so happy for what had happened there. And he got uh, all sorts of uh, uh, praise and all for discovering this. And uh, the guy got mad and he was going to sue and he threatened to sue us. And so uh got an attorney. The attorney called. I sent the adjuster out to talk with the uh, lawyer. And the lawyer, he was being, you know, how lawyers can be, trying to get money out of somebody. Anyway, he wound up uh, uh, been. Uh, the adjuster went through this stuff. I'll, I'll, bleep, I'll bleep this out on the record of what it's put out out to the world. So anyway, this guy. Um, he, he started saying, "You know, you you just you're beating down the poor the poor uh, workers with small shops and stuff." And all said, so, and, and this guy said, "Let me show you." And so uh, the, my adjuster went through and showed him what his client had done, and uh, the lawyer just backed up and said, "Y'all are the nicest people in the world." Because you see what we'd already back in the office. There were so many people that had never seen a fraud claim before. They were just all just going crazy and wanting to send this guy to jail. But we had figured out, you could see, he really had a claim, but it's for about $400. And he'd seen how easy things worked before. And he decided he was going to make a killing off of us this time. And so... To show, in our our particular company, had a really bad reputation for denying claims and being mean to people, and this is one of the things that I brought to their company was a uh, changing their reputation, and so we decided. My boss really was um, he was really. Or, um, go, he wants he to send this guy to jail. He's just so excited. They're all excited. But said, this, wait, 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 this is, this will make things go a lot better. Let's offer to pay him his real claim. We know that he just felt he yielded to temptation here. This isn't his normal way of doing things. Let's show some mercy and let's offer him what his claim really was. That's what we're supposed to do. So let's just do that. Well, and finally, oh, okay, okay. So they went went along with me on that. And the lawyer said, y'all are just the nicest people in the world. I just can't believe that y'all are so nice. And this guy's trying to take advantage of y'all. And so all of a sudden, the lawyer was on our side then, see? So uh, then we went ahead and paid his claim but we paid him what it was worth. But Ben, this is where obedience comes in. Ben didn't want to do, the adjuster didn't want to do this stuff. What he wanted to do was uh, just write a check and come home. But because he obeyed his boss, he wound up getting a lot of glory. And he started understanding what our job was really about. And it gave him a sense of uh, uh, just excitement about the job he was doing instead of it being just humdrum every day. My other adjuster, uh, he just wanted to work from, I think he was 8.30 to 4, and then go home. He never wanted to do anything outside office hours. And yet in the claims field, many times people are out working during the same hours that he was working and he couldn't get them on the phone to take their statements or anything. And so uh, there was a claim that was kind of uh, uh, iffy, and I uh, was insisting that he take a, 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 a recorded statement from him at home. He but There was a, a witness that we knew could... Uh, set this thing straight one way or the other. Anyway, he wound up discovering that this particular person on a homeowner's claim was claiming to have been robbed and had their house cleaned up. And there were witnesses around that had watched them carry their stuff out and put it in the truck and haul it off. And he had never seen anything like that happen. Again, the adjuster was, he caught somebody. And all of a sudden, Uh, His world opened up and he didn't mind putting in extra hours or working extra hour uh, and another time and all. And uh, all of a sudden things changed for him. And I'd come in seven thirty in the morning. He'd already be there on the phone working. He just changed his life because he did what I told him to do. And they both got recognition from the company. Because all of a sudden, they were not bad employees anymore. These two guys were on their way out the door. Uh, they, I got the culls of the company because these guys had been problem uh, employees for other people. All of a sudden, they became great employees. In fact, whenever I left the company, uh, my outside adjuster wound up taking my place. And uh, he had learned a whole new way of life. This is what it is with the Lord. Whenever we start doing in obedience what we know he wants us to do, sometimes even when we don't want to do it, we discover the rewards of it. And we discover a whole new dimension to life that we did not know was there. Now, in their case, they got glory from me I mean because they obeyed me they got recognition and glory of course I did too but uh, it was behind the scenes because they're the ones that did it you know so anyway but that's just uh, so the call of Abraham we see him uh, just uh, well I'm going to get to the my first page here Anyway, he was uh, called to go from a place. It starts off as God, Abraham called Abraham and he told him something he wanted him to do. He wanted him to go from some things. He says, go forth from, first of all, your country. Your nation, that's your, your nation, your culture, your religion, your regional culture. That's a part of whatever you apply this to us, your country. He, he calls us, you see, to go away from things. Jesus calls us over the tumult of our lives wild, restless sea. He calls us to follow him. It's from relatives. He was called from his father's house And uh, there are a lot of things, whenever we start walking with the Lord, God is calling us from them. He calls us to turn our first attention from our national culture, from our regional culture. And then he calls us to quit listening to our relatives and uh, the people around us that are just like us. Instead, we listen to God and we do what he wants us to do. Go forth from your father's house. Our father's house, our home. Those people are close relatives. Sometimes they have steered us the wrong way. Sometimes they've been steering us the right way, but all of a sudden we realize that even whenever they're getting things mostly right, we need to listen to God and follow Him and His Word. There's a whole false religion. In the United States today, and uh, you, it's labeled. Uh, let's see what's it's called. It's called moral theistic deism, and uh, and uh, the it's basically the tenets of moral theistic moral deistic moral theistic deism is a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on Earth. God wants people to be good and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. God doesn't need to be particularly involved in one's life except when I need him to help me with the problem. And good people go to heaven when they die. That's basically what the average person religious person in the United States believes but there's that's not I'm not going to pick these apart one by one but that is the culture our cultural religion but there's so much more to it and some of these things aren't quite right and so that's one of the things that we're called from is moral theistic deism and we're called into being the Lord's servant him first and foremost we're called to something we're called to the land first of all which I will show you he tells Abraham I have a totally different dimension for you to live in that's what he has for us it's different than what we live in before we come to know him and follow him to give you an example Peter at Cornelius house a good Jewish boy did not go into a Gentile's house. As I've mentioned before, you just get Gentile cooties and you have to come home and take a bath. But if you ever, if you even touch a Gentile, that's what you have to do. And so uh, a good, and been Peter was a good Jewish boy and the Lord tells him to go to this Gentile's house. Said, Lord, I've never done Go do it, Peter. Now, when Peter obeyed God, instead of obeying his religion, a whole new world and dimension to life opened up to him whenever he discovered that God loved Gentiles and would pour his Holy Spirit out on Gentiles just like he did Jews. It just turned his world upside down. It made him have to rethink what does it mean to be God's chosen people? It didn't mean what he thought it meant. He, didn't, he wasn't able to keep his nose so high up in the air uh, anymore. He, was, he became a different person when he obeyed God. A whole new dimension to life opened up. And so uh, uh, when our lives, one of the areas where we are told and we know we need to forgive people, and yet there's some people here today that are still harboring grudges against people, and you just don't want to let them go. And you say, well, God understands why I'm holding this against this person. Yes, he does. And yet he still says, forgive them, forgive them. And you're not going to experience the entirety of the kingdom of God and living in God's realm until you start obeying him. And if you're holding grudges, you're not obeying him. Okay, learning to have faith in other people. Sometimes people are so caught up in they know how things should be and how things ought to be, and uh, they wind up uh, uh, not giving other people a little bit of wiggle room to think differently and be different. And uh, so, uh, uh, whenever you start having faith that maybe their way works just as well as your way, only it's different, it opens up a whole new realm of life. There are other ways to do things. So, really applying the golden rule. We've already talked about this around Christmas time, about whenever you see somebody Going toward that short line in the store, instead of picking up the pace so you can beat them to the cash register, you slow down and let them go first. Even if their bag, if their buggy is full, you know, Uh, in the parking lot, there's a parking spot. Boy, what would you love for somebody to do to you in that case if, if they're racing toward that same parking spot? Wouldn't you love it if they if they would stop and just let you have it instead of uh, just uh, racing them and beating them to it? And oh, man, you know, it's just it's so uh, Christians. I mean, you say they'll they'll have a honk if you love Jesus sticker on the back of their car. You honk. They won't get out of the car and beat you up. (laughs) It's just we need you. If you really started applying the golden rule every day, just be aware. This is the way God wants you to be. What would your life be like? It would be so different uh, if whenever you're just uh, uh, trying to get your way and be, we've been taught to be assertive. And uh, there are times when you do need to be assertive, but there are other times when you need to make sure that you're doing what to them, what you would want them to do to you. So, uh, Anyway, that's, uh, those are some of the different, it's just a different dimension that you're never going to know about until you start living in it. And sometimes it's scary to take that first step, I understand. The story is told of a little boy who was trapped in his burning home on the, the second floor, and the only way out was through a, a window. Smoke was billowing out of the window and it was coming out so strongly. He couldn't see what was around him, but his father was standing down below and he could see his son. And, uh, his father said, Jimmy, jump and I'll catch you. He said, but I can't see you, dad. He says, I know. And the father says, I know, but I can see you. Now you see, little Jimmy knew. His father could catch him because his father had thrown him up in the air and caught him coming down a lot of times. He knew his father was strong, but he's afraid to jump because he couldn't see him. And that's kind of the way it is as far as the leap of faith. You see, you can't see what's there, but God's told you it's there. He's told you he's there. Just jump. Jump. That's what I encourage you to do today. If you have been holding back in any area of your life, just jump. Take that leap of faith and you'll find yourself going through a portal into the kingdom of God, which is present right here among us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.